as death is a part of our life. It gives meaning to our existence and serves as a reminder to make the best out of every moment joyously. Death is not scary, but the process of dying and how it affects us is. The way our society has shaped its notion about death is instilled so deep within us as we are taught to grieve the loss of a loved one. Grief is praise, as explained by poet Martin Fretchel, because it is the natural way love honors what it misses. This is Season 2, Episode 1 of Breaking the Facts with me, Mahima, and in today's episode, let's together find out how grief manifests. Death comes in so many forms. I say so because it not only takes away what we love, but also kills a part of us that will never be the same. As a child, death for our generation was presented to us in the form of television or newspapers with pictures of people who were claimed to be dead. And the very notion that we had in our brain shaped the understandings about it. Death isn't a part of our curriculum. It's not taught to us, neither in schools or colleges, and many less people study it. But the fact that it affects everyone born as time passes stays the same. So, for us, death has become the ultimatum exam that we give in life with many, many hurdles that we face daily. I can present you with so many evidences of death not being scary, from ancient Greek philosophers believing that our body fluids shaped how little pain we'll have when we die, to the present-day neuroscientists who study near-death experiences. All the claims point out that death is making us ultimately free. It's always said that the dead isn't the victim, we are. The ones deemed survivors are treated like victims in a society like ours. But is it the same for all species? As humans, we claim to have a highly advanced brain. We claim to conquer the understandings of the unfathomable and to be the rulers of Mother Nature and the species that it inhabits. On closer inspection, we find out that their grief is no less than ours. Darwin himself thought that the other animals were capable of processing the emotions, such as happiness and misery, and the stories of elephants mourning the dead were recorded by Pliny Edler as early as 1800 years ago. The increase in scientific evidence for grief and mourning in other species has grown so much over the past decade. The journal Philosophical Transactions of Royal has devoted an entire issue to responses to death in both animals and humans and defined a new study called Evolutionary Thanatology. The similarities drawn between animals and humans as we grieve are that Both of us behave in ways that are simply not useful to our survival. We withdraw into solitude, we retreat from socializing, we sleep less, we eat less, we spend time tending to a corpse, exposing ourselves vulnerable to predators and many diseases. However, it is us humans who take grieving to the next level. 
we devote land to cemeteries, we pour money in funerals, and the profound pain that we experience with loss, the grief, it's even more draining and puzzling. There are essentially four components to death that psychologists have identified. Irreversibility and non-functionality, which means that the dead will not respond to anything. Casualty, which is the biological basis of death. And universality, that is, all living beings will die. So if grief is something that we see in highly social animals and most often in individuals with close social bonds, this should ultimately tell us that how grieving is us coming into terms with the idea of loss itself. If we understand the profound depths of emotions that animals feel, this should make us question the very existence of zoos and slaughterhouses around the world and make us think about these systems more and more. At present, there is tremendous solace in the understanding that the grief we feel is shared by all kinds of species worldwide. Sadness is a motivation to change a relationship. However, grief is a deep yearning for someone whom we know shall never return. With the pandemic still at large, we are feeling a number of different griefs. The world has changed, and it has. There is loss of normalcy, we fear the economic toll, there is loss of connection, and all of this is hitting us as we grieve collectively. But what can we as individuals do to manage grief? I think understanding grief is a start. We can hop onto Google and type how to grieve and the five stages of grief are presented to us, which include denial, anger, bargaining, sadness and acceptance. And we learn that of all these stages, the most powerful one is acceptance. Accepting the current situation, we can find control. It may take months or decades for some of us to achieve acceptance as we grieve, but this does not account for us losing hopes. So my dear listener, if you know someone who is grieving or mourning the loss of a loved one, don't say I'm sorry. They are tired of hearing that. Don't say it'll be okay because we know that a part of them has changed forever. They don't need sympathy. They just need you by their side, sitting silently as they mourn, finding solace in the fact that they are not alone in this. World needs more kindness right now with the uncertainty of the anticipatory grief that surrounds us. Calling a friend, taking care of our body, drinking water, maintaining a journal are little little things that are recommended to make a big difference in strange times like these by psychiatrists worldwide. So I've linked a couple of articles and websites where you can share your grief and understand the nature of grief during COVID along with certain hotline numbers in case you're feeling you're losing all hope. Let's all remember that we are not alone in this. If you like this episode, Make sure to share this episode with your friends and follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening it on. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, I just hope that tomorrow brings a better day for you and I'll see you in 
the next episode till then stay warm stay safe and be strong we shall overcome through this